It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hey, what's up? Welcome to episode number 475 of Locked On Raptors for Monday, uh, March 11th. Yeah, I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. Find the show at Locked On Raptors. You can find links to every single episode. And, of course, make sure you're checking out the Locked On Podcast Network with team-focused shows for all 30 NBA teams. We've got Locked On Fantasy Basketball. We've got Locked On NBA. We've got Locked On NFL for your pre-free agency talk if you want to listen to something about the Antonio Brown trade and how Antonio Brown rules and Ben Roethlisberger is a scumbag and how people who think Antonio Brown is the bad guy here are idiots. Make sure you're checking out the corresponding Locked On shows, Locked On Raiders, Locked On Steelers, covering all of that. Uh, (laughs) On today's show... I'm joined by David Ramil. He is one of the co-hosts of Locked On Heat. We talked all about the Raptors game against the Heat on Sunday afternoon and sort of some general Heat stuff as well. They uh, are a team in a very strange spot with a very bleak future, uh, but they also happen to have Miami as like a thing to sell to the future and and sort of to use as a place, as, as a way to lure free agents and stuff like that too. So kind of a weird spot they're in and they're kind of relying on their salesmanship ability to kind of keep themselves afloat. We talked all about that with myself and and David, and I uh, hope you enjoy the chat. We'll get to it right now, and uh, we'll be back again on Tuesday, Monday night, after the Raptors play the Cavs. We'll talk about that game as well. Also, if you want to check out a couple podcasts I was on, I was on Locked on NBA with Josh Lloyd. Uh, that'll be out on Sunday night, Monday morning. And then also I was on the Chase Down podcast with Justin Rowan. Uh, very good Cavs podcast I filled in because Carter Rodriguez is on holidays. And we talked about the Cavs and Raptors as before they play on Monday night and just sort of talked about Raptors stuff mostly because, uh, frankly, what is there to talk about with the Cavs right now that has not already been talked about, I'm sure, by Justin and Carter over the course of this long slog of a terrible season in Cleveland. So listen to me talk about the Raps on Chase Down with Justin. It's a good time. So uh, uh, yeah, please do that. All right, that's going to do it. Please enjoy the conversation now with myself and David Ramil, and we will talk to you next time on Locked on Raptors. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked on NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked on NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, I'm Sean Woodley from Locked On Raptors, joined by David Ramil of Locked On Heat to talk about the Raptors' 125-104 win over Miami in Miami on Saturday, Sunday afternoon. I'm getting my days messed up. Sunday afternoon. Uh, David, how's it going, man? I'm doing great. Uh, not the kind of game I expected to see, but uh, it was uh, an interesting matchup, let's say that. I truthfully was stunned that the Raptors came out with any sort of aplomb. They've been pretty bad 
two consecutive Sundays, which I don't know that, if that holds any credence, but uh, they lost to the Pistons last week and got completely killed by the, the Magic a couple Sundays ago as well. And you would think that, like, after a full day in Miami, I don't think they practiced yesterday, or if they did, like, it was during the day and they had a whole night to be in Miami. Right. Uh, I was expecting maybe a lethargic start, but that was not the case at all. And it was maybe one of the better games the Raps have played uh, in a couple months now. Like, they, they've not been particularly humming for a good stretch of the last couple months here. There's been games on and off where they've looked really good, but with Patrick McCaw starting and no Kawhi Leonard, they looked uh, really, really impressive. What was your biggest takeaway from this game? I was uh, along the same lines. I thought uh, they would be afflicted by uh, South beach but it looked like they were <laughs> vaccinated well in advance, so... Um... <laughs> I was uh, I was curious to see how that might play out, but uh, Miami they've struggled recently with allowing transition baskets on defense, and uh, they've given up a, a high number of made three pointers on, on consecutive games now, and, and so that seems to be a, a problem for them. You know, we're we're still kind of figuring out this new starting lineup because the team has been beset with injuries on and off for most of the season. So they've you know they were coming in on a four game win streak, so I kind of expected them to be a little bit sharper. Um, and, and, you know, I think that the, the same issues with Miami continuously crop up, which is they don't have a lot of high-end talent. Mm-hmm. And so whenever some of their mid, mid-level players struggle, as a number of their starters did tonight, um, or today rather, then it, it kind of is obvious that Miami just can't contend with the more talented teams, and Toronto certainly fits the bill. Yeah, I. Uh, well, what was going on with Kelly Olynyk today? Normally, he's a guy that like would give the Raptors problems as a stretch of your five, and a guy who's a very good passer. And he was a minus twenty with one point five boards and two assists today on O of eight shooting, O of four from deep, and just could never really get into the flow of the game. Is that like to be expected from Kelly Olynyk at this point? Like, I was kind of floored by just how ineffective he was. He's actually been great lately. Yeah. Uh, he's struggled on and off. Um, you know, he's had some big games, but his issues, even dating back to his days in Boston, were that he was somewhat inconsistent. But lately, he's been playing very, very well. I actually was looking forward to that matchup. I, I thought that he would probably be matching up with um, Serge Ibaka. I thought they they would go with that same starting lineup. But you know, uh, it looks like it's it's been you know it had been going well for Kelly and then tonight he just he struggled mightily 0 of 8 from the field 0 of 4 from three-point range that three-point shot has been there he had some open looks just wasn't able to knock those down so I don't know that there was anything that that Siakam was doing particularly well to to kind of limit his touches but even when he did have open looks like I said he wasn't knocking those down so clearly not Kelly's best game Uh, and he wasn't much of a playmaker either he only what did he finish with two assists on the night that's below his average um you know it wasn't much of a factor at all and he did play 24 minutes and only scoring one point mm-hmm. not nearly good enough uh, for our starting level uh, you know forward so you know and, and again it's the same issues with kelly and then justice winslow struggled he's been pretty good lately just josh richardson also he struggled i mean Dion waiters was our one of our best starters along with bam Adebayo, who uh, he did have an impressive game so that was the one positive i think on the night was uh Adebayo's strong showing against strong yeah, Bam is uh, always very good, and also he's very good at injuring Fred VanVleet in the last game of the regular season. But we'll leave that alone. Uh, <laughs> no, he's like he's always been uh, very impressive to me when the Raptors and Heat square off, um, and, and they don't really seem to have an answer for him. I'm not even sure what it is. He just is such a big dude that I think he kind of bothers Abaka a little bit. Uh, didn't I, I, I just it's it's been kind of fun to watch Bam punk the Raptors. I guess if if you're gonna have fun watching someone punk the Raptors, it might as well be a guy like Bam who's a bit unexpected to do so. 
Uh, but it's been a lot of fun. I, I, I've, I've enjoyed his work, even though it has not uh, always portended well for the Raptors. Um, if I have a big takeaway from this game, you know, it's kind of a continuation of a lot of my takes on the Raptors lately in that, like, the, I'm not sure how much a lot of it means, but I do think uh, Kyle Lowry doing his thing, like 24, 10, uh, 10, 24 with 10 assists and 7 boards, 6 of 11 from deep. The 6 of 11 from deep is the one you're really looking at. Not even the 6 made, it's just the 11 that he attempted. He was very much actively looking to be part of the offense, even early in the game. I think there was a couple of possessions where like Patrick McCaw was bringing the ball up the court and they were act- actively having Kyle hang out away from the ball, which I would like to see more of. And I think we've seen more of since Mark, Ga- Mark Gasol came to town where there's just like less of a burden on Lowry to have to create everything for the team. And it's just kind of, it's more of a spread out load right now. And, you know, I wasn't expecting Patrick McCaw to come in and be like a, you know, a, a secondary point guard type guy, but uh, he was certainly effective in his role and, and doing that as well. And I, I don't know, what, what were your thoughts on Kyle's game today? Because this is probably one of the better games and he's had some nice games lately, some really big ones, but this is probably the, the most complete we've seen him play in a, in a little while here. Yeah, he was absolutely deadly. I mean, I might be even understating it. It seemed like every time Miami was getting anywhere near close, obviously they had that double-digit deficit in the first quarter, and then they were able to kind of work their way back. But even as they did so in the second quarter when Toronto started pulling away, uh, it was Lowry. And then in the fourth quarter, when they or the late third quarter, I think, when Miami was able to close the gap somewhat, um, Lowry again started hitting big shots. And every time Miami looked to make a comeback, uh, Lowry was there to stop it. He had a phenomenal game. I think I think playing off ball kind of helped a little bit. Miami's been having some success with Bam in a starting lineup, pressuring guys as they're bringing the ball up court. Mm-hmm. And I guess with with McCall bringing the ball, um, you know, they were able to pressure him somewhat. But everybody else in that lineup is such a good passer that they were able to swing the ball. And Miami's defense just could never seem to compensate. They were always kind of rotating or out of place. And there was always an open shooter, which is probably why Toronto was able to hit 52% of their three-pointers. I mean, that was, uh, look, again, that was pretty bad. Uh, great shooting. I mean, maybe uh, not a tip, not typical for Toronto. But, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I think part of it was their system. Part of it was their passing. The fact that Miami just had an off night defensively as well. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner. And Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yeah, this is also the second game in a row. The Raptors played the Pelicans on Friday and kind of treated it as a practice and were kind of just trying some stuff out. And But this seemed like the second game in a row where the coaching staff, like almost, it seems like they're like imposing a fine on the team if they walk the ball over the half-court line instead of passing it uh, ahead 30 feet over the half-court line. And that, like, just the quick-fire offense that they've kind of cultivated and the way Kyle is just always looking to push the ball. Um, I mean, it's not really new that we've seen this season. It's maybe in more sort of concentrated doses the last couple games. But that gets them into their stuff really quickly. It sort of leads to a, all right, who's getting the ball next type of thing. I mean, there's obviously plenty of leakouts where Pascal Siakam just walks in for a bucket uh, uncontested. Like, it's just that 
the way they're playing lately, Kyle really seems to kind of be taking it back upon himself to kind of get it started really quickly and uh, and just headmanning it up. And, you know, there have been some turnovers there as well. There, he had six turnovers today because uh, I think he was getting a little bit overzealous at times. But uh, and, and it wasn't the Pelicans they were playing. They were playing the Heat, who actually like play defense. But um, it was, uh, yeah, just another continuation. And I think Raptors fans are probably, you know, pretty excited about what they've seen the last couple games here because they've kind of, I think, rediscovered what makes the Raptors really good and that's when they just run all over teams and they go off of misses, they go off of turnovers, they even go off of made baskets and try to get down as fast as they can and uh, and they can kind of keep teams on their heels that way. Uh, my question for you, David, looking at the Heat, like a very uh, wide minutes distribution in this one, you know, just kind of no one playing a crazy amount of minutes. 28 was the most for Justice Winslow. Uh, and like, what was it, like nine guys over 20 minutes in this game. Who's the best five for the Heat? And is that established? Is that even known at this point? Like, is it is Eric Spolstra kind of still working to figure that out? Like, who are the guys that in, say, a playoff series, and we can talk about the potential playoff matchup that the Heat and, and Raptors could maybe find themselves in? Um, like, I don't know who I trust on the Heat the most looking at them. And, and like, there are a lot of guys, like Goran Dragic coming off the bench is weird considering he's kind of been a Raptor killer in the past. And obviously Hassan Whiteside I think is best suited to coming off the bench because I'm not sure how particularly useful he is in large doses. But, like, do you know, do you have a sense, like, of what, like, sort of the, the go-to guys in this Heat roster are? Because it's great to have depth, but... I like the depth is not really yielding much in the way of excitement for me, but maybe you have a better uh, sort of handle on things. No, unfortunately, that seems to be the, <laughs> the largely accepted take. I, I, look, he he's Spolster, that is, is just settled on this starting lineup. So I don't know that this is the best group, but it seems to be the one that's playing most effectively. And I think part of that is the fact that Adebayo is starting in, in place of Hassan Whiteside. Um, he changes things that they can do defensively. He has a little bit more energy offensively. And, and to Whiteside's credit, he's actually played pretty well during this recent win streak and even going back before that, coming off the bench, uh, he was hurt for a few games and then he, he came off the bench and, and it seems to really work. And he seemed like he was content in that role, which has been a, a season-long question for him whether or not he would accept a bench role. Um, but tonight he didn't seem to have it engaged at all. I mean, he just finished with eight points. But as far as the best lineup, I, I don't know that there is one. Uh, mm. I don't know that Spolstra thinks that there's a best lineup. This is just the one he's most comfortable with. I don't think it consists of our best players. I think you'd have to give credit to Goran Dragic, maybe Whiteside if it's a good matchup for him. And, and still, even at 37 years old, Dwayne Wade is still probably Miami's most reliable go-to player. Like, he is the guy who has come up in, in clutch situations for, for Miami more than any other player. So is it the best lineup? No, but it's effective. Uh, it's worked in the past, or at least in the recent past, and so I think they're going to continue to roll this out. If they were to able to make the playoffs, I think they're going to continue to move forward this way with both Whiteside and Dragic coming off the bench because I think he plays most effectively with Dwayne Wade as well. Um, mm-hmm. You could substitute... Dragic for Dion Waiters, but I think the Waiters Wade combination, both of them not being particularly adept at, at, at long range shooting, uh, and and tend to be kind of high usage when they were bringing the ball up and they kind of hold the ball a lot. I don't think playing them together has worked very well. I don't have the numbers in front of me as far as what those lineups have yielded, but um, just from recollection, they don't play particularly well together. So I think keeping Waiters in the starting lineup probably works best. And he didn't have a bad game against Toronto. It's mm-hmm. just. You know, you never know where you're getting out of Dion. He could have a fully engaged game where he could be aggressive and getting to the rim, as he did against Toronto. He even shot well from the perimeter, three of six from three-point range. That's a pretty solid shooting night for him. But 
Um, you know, I, I still think that Dragic is a better player than Dion, even at his age. And Dwayne Wade, again, has been very consistent and, and good coming off the bench. He's just, I think he saw a number of times where he yielded a couple of corner threes just because he's just not capable of sliding defensively. He kind of loses his man a little bit. And mm-hmm. he's just not as engaged as he once was offensively. And so that's a bit problematic, but he's still a pretty competent playmaker and, and he can create a shot. Maybe even better than anybody else on this team. Maybe even better than Dion or Goran. So that's that's saying quite a bit that at 37, he's still Miami's best shot creator. I think he's the guy who scares me the most. It's uh, it's really fun watching like this later version of Wade because it's so different than like the crazy explosive version of him that was just like you know one of the best two guards of all time. Like he had one. I think he missed it this, on, on this shot that he set up for himself. But he had one play today where he like just pivoted. Patrick McCaw out of his shoes on the baseline, and right. I was like, "This is this is beautiful. This is I, I want to watch this. This is great." I was bummed he missed the shot, um, but yeah, it, it maybe is not the best sign that Dwayne Wade is like the best creator on the team. Although, like I don't know, I guess there's no shame in that either. He's awesome. It's super fun to watch, and I'm sure Heat fans are kind of digging it. Like it, this, it would be like if Vince Carter was like the carrying the lion's share of the load for the Hawks right now. I'm sure that'd be really fun too. I'm not sure how much you want to bank on that in the playoffs, but there's something to be said for the fun of it all. Um, are Heat fans having fun this year? Like, is this a, a disappointment compared to maybe expectations coming in? Um, is it just injuries that have kind of hampered them and they're probably a better team than what they've shown so far with their record? Like, what's the sort of vibe right now with Heat fans in general? It's not positive. Um, I think the win streak kind of had everybody a little bit more engaged than they'd been uh, following the All-Star break. Um, but at the same time, uh, I don't think anybody has a clear idea of what they want out of this team. I think if you look at the expectations in the preseason, you probably kind of just assume that this group, as talented as they are, as good as Eric Spolstra is as a coach, that they would make it into the playoffs. Mm-hmm. They weren't expecting a deep run, maybe a way of getting out of the first round, depending on that matchup. Maybe they could have gotten to a fifth or sixth seed potentially um and if that's the case maybe they could have made, had an upset in that first round but either way the playoffs were kind of a, a given uh, as far as expectations were concerned and then those injuries kind of took a lot of this team out uh, you know out of the way they weren't quite sure who the go-to score would be earlier in the season they were looking to get josh Richardson active and engaged early on he put up a number of points in empty games that yielded losses more often than not um, and so that's another thing too is that there's no clear identity like who has player on this team that, that's a question mark you don't really have one you have kind of mid-level talent um, nobody's really achieved superstar level in, uh, talent or, or you know, has accomplished much and, and for this team in particular you know you look at the 20 some years of Pat Riley's tenure you've had Alonzo Mooring there for a bulk of it you had Dwayne Wade for the rest of it and, and in between you've had Shaquille O'Neal Chris Bosh LeBron James etc so you've always had a superstar on this team for 20-something years. Now you don't have that. Uh, and I know Alonzo's not particularly popular in Toronto, but either way, uh, <laughs> as far as Miami Heat fans are concerned, I mean, he's, a, he's one of the all-time greats. So, you know, you look at this roster, and like we talked about, you know, Dwayne Wade might still be their most dangerous player, and he's too old. He's not coming back next year. We know that for certain. So the future of this team is so much in doubt that a lot of fans are hoping that they'll tank or that they'll lose a number of games so they can get a high draft pick, maybe kind of get an influx of talent that way because, again, they're also capped out, so their salary situation is less than positive. And so you're not quite sure what the future of this group holds. And, and the present isn't particularly exciting. If you make the playoffs again, you're probably an early exit in the playoffs. Um, you know, if you don't make the playoffs, then you get a late lottery pick. You know, so... It, 
it's not looking great, um, but you can kind of take pleasure in watching Dwayne Wade have a number of moments. Like he had that game winner against Golden State a couple weeks ago. That's always fun to watch. And, and those are the kind of moments that I think a lot of fans are kind of hanging their head on as far as being able to derive any sort of pleasure out of this season. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess it could be saved if like they can get into the playoffs. And I don't know. I had a lot of hope for the Heat last year in that series against the Sixers. I actually I think yes. I picked them to win it. Um, and that, they gave them a good run for most of it, and it just kind of fell short. But I kind of really believed in the coaching and, and like the quality of Spolstra and Josh Richardson's development and all that stuff. Um, right. So, I don't know. Is there – first of all, the schedule for the Heat coming up is – not easy. They play pretty much either teams they're in direct competition with for seeding or really, really good teams down the stretch here. Like, they play, like, the Bucks twice. They have the Raptors near the end of the year. Actually, I think the Raptors have three straight games against the uh, the Hornets, Nets, and Heat, I think. So could have a little bit of implication there playoff-wise. Um, but then they play, like, the Sixers and then the Celtics twice. Like, there are some tough games coming up here for Miami and then in addition to that there's like the Magic and the Nets and the Wizards and uh, like teams that they're directly in competition with like I don't know what's the ideal situation here for the Heat like is it just miss the playoffs in, in general or is it sort of sneak in in an 8 seed and maybe you can give the Bucks a run for their money the way we maybe saw like the Nets do for the uh, for the Hawks way back I guess when the Hawks won 60 games and no one thought they were going to be touchable and then the Nets come in and actually kind of gave them a bit of a run in the first round like is that kind of the best case scenario and is there a team that you're looking at in the top part of the East whether it's in the 6, 7 or 8 that as like a first round matchup that you're like yeah I think they, 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 he could give them a run maybe you know squeak out a couple of games or is it kind of a lost cause at this point uh, I think it's somewhere in between and that's kind of a weak answer and I realize that but the reality is I mean it depends on who you ask I mean even yeah. if you ask my co-host Wes Goldberg I think he would probably gravitate towards uh, the tanking solution and losing as many games as possible and trying to get a good draft pick um, I've never been that type of play- person. I don't really like the draft as much. Maybe it's just because of years of Pat Riley trading, uh, trading away <laughs> draft picks that I've kind of tended to devalue them a little bit. Um, so uh, to me, if you're asking me, I think making the playoffs and, and still creating and feeding that culture of winning and that, that idea that winning is, is more important than anything else is still uh, the best case scenario. And, and also continuing to develop the younger players. I, those, that trio of Winslow, Adebayo, and Richardson represents, for better or for worse, Miami's future right now. So continuing to get them as many minutes as possible and kind of devaluing everybody else, even Olenek or Waiters or anybody else in that lineup, um, is probably more important at, at this point. And, uh, and, and if that yields a, a playoff uh, game, that's fine. I mean, as far as a potential matchup, I don't know that there's one that favors Miami. They've challenged Milwaukee. Um, they had one game in late December where they used their zone defense pretty effectively, and they threw James Johnson when he was healthy at Adetokounmpo along with a couple of other players, and they really, I think they held him to five points. I'm pretty sure that was Giannis's worst game of the season. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it, I mean, it was a really strong showing from Miami. So I don't know if that's something they could duplicate in the playoffs. I, I would imagine that's... You know, it might be the most fun matchup if Miami is able to steal a game. I could see, I could see them possibly winning one, but even then, uh, it's it's not really a competitive series. I can't see them matching up well with Toronto either, or Indiana, or Boston, or anybody at the top there. Philadelphia, Philadelphia maybe because you've got some bad blood from last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, there's just not much going on there as far as Miami's concerned. It's 
really about finding a way to make the most of the season and, and continue to develop those young players. So I don't know that the playoffs are the ultimate, um, you know, but as far as the season is concerned, I don't know if that's what you ultimately want to, to accomplish, but it's it would be a fun matchup if nothing else. I mean, again, if at this point, they're not going to be eligible or they're probably not going to get one of a top five draft pick. Mm-hmm. And so that being the case, I don't know how much talent you're actually going to be able to get in the draft. And so why not continue to win as many games as possible and see what you have out of that young trio and whether or not you can maybe either keep them in the future or perhaps use them in a trade and somewhere down the line if, if a, a superstar becomes available. Um, you know, that, that's probably the focus for Miami and their front office at this point. I guess it kind of has to be too, right? Because that 2021 pick is the one that's unprotected. Am I right? For that was yeah. uh, that what Philly has that now, if I'm not mistaken, or yeah. the Clippers do now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that was uh, the, the uh, draft they trade with uh, Phoenix. I think that's where it was. <laughs> I, I'm not sure. It's, it's got it's, it's exchanged hands so often now. I'm not quite sure exactly. Where yeah, it. there's like a lot of picks. I think that extend from that 2015 trade deadline day. Um, mm-hmm. With like the Dragic trade and like the weird, well, I went for down for a nap and woke up and there were like seven point guards traded. Uh, <laughs> there were a bunch of draft picks in there that I think are still circulating around and causing all sorts of headaches. Um, but yeah, like the the Heat. I mean, I would expect nothing less than for the Heat to stick with the superstar game. I mean, they still have Miami as like the big bargaining chip, right? It's like, hey, come just play here. It'd be, it's warm and nice, and it's Miami. Um, yeah. And if you can develop one of Adebayo or Winslow or Richardson or two of them into like legitimate co-stars, then like that's just as good as anything like the Clippers are working with, for example. Um, you know, the Clippers obviously have the two max slots available, but I wouldn't say any of their guys are that much more impressive or, or at all like as impressive as Winslow, Adebayo, or Richardson. So um, I don't think it's like all lost, but I don't count out Pat Riley if doing, from doing something crazy here and from finding a way to do it. Um, maybe they paid Jimmy Butler this offseason. I don't know. <laughs> it's, uh... Well, I mean, certainly they were in the thick of things uh, to acquire Butler before the start of the season. Yeah. Um, it just didn't work out that way. But you seem to be a lot more positive than a lot of Heat fans because I think there's <laughs> uh, you know, growing frustration there with you know the lack of a superstar and, and the fact that you're going to be paying, I think, close to $70 million to Ryan Anderson, um, you know, uh, Hassan Whiteside and Goran Dragic next year, and none of which are really moving the needle much as far as the, the overall talent on this roster. So that's that's a bit problematic. You look at that and the fact that they're paying this much money to guys that are really not all that good. I mean, the, the Winslow and Richardson contracts, they just signed extensions. Um, those are really, really good deals, very favorable for the, the franchise. But mm-hmm. the others, I mean, those are those are pretty bad. And you had to trade away Tyler Johnson's contract, and he was scheduled to make twenty something million this next season. You know, so it's it's a problem. Yeah. So c- consider me stunned. Uh, one of the biggest James Johnson detractors that he's now on, a, on an inflated deal that is not worth its uh, worth, worth 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 what he's getting paid. Um, but I don't need to slag James Johnson on Locked On Raptors any more than I already have in the past. So <laughs> I can leave it there. Uh, I'm glad you brought up the zone thing, by the way. That was a fun little uh, subplot of today's game, where the Raptors are very good in their zone defense, and the Heat used theirs, I think, the second most in the league per Jared Dubin, um, and a great study he did on zone defenses. That, that that was a fun little like stretch of the game, where it was just like, yeah, well, zone against zone, I guess. <laughs> and it was like uh, watching college, but with better players for a little while. Uh, better and less exploited players. Most, <laughs> the most important question, David. Um, late in this game... Derek Jones Jr. Uh, went up and... It's not a dunk. It's not okay, a dunk. thank you. I just wanted to make sure. 
Alex, I didn't like the one from Blake years ago. I, I mean, there have been a couple others like this somewhere down the line. I can't remember who. Oh, where he but, won um, the dunk contest? No, it was uh, Dwight Howard who won the dunk contest on a non-dunk. Oh, right. That's yeah. Right. Yeah, but Blake did one in game. I, I forgot against who. Was it Was it him dunking on Kendrick Perkins, I want to say, or something like that? That seems to make sense. Or it's Brandon Knight. It's usually Brandon Knight, isn't it? <laughs> you know, that, yeah, DeAndre Jordan dunking on Knight. Yeah, that's, that's certainly. But that was a, I think that was an actual dunk. Derek Jones Jr., as athletic as he is, great kid, everything, etc. Not a dunk, and I can appreciate. I can admit that. That's fine. I, right. I can. I can be honest about that. Well, it seems like a good place to leave the podcast on a good nugget of truth that we've shared with the world. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I think that's. I think that should be good. Uh, any parting shots before we wrap this thing up, David? Uh, no, I mean, I'm just a little disappointed in Kyle Lowry that he didn't go out drinking more on South Beach, to be honest with you, because like, we could have really used it on Sunday afternoon. Yeah, I, uh, <laughs> fair enough. Uh, all right, that's going to do it for today's show. Uh, you can please make sure you check out Locked On Raptors and Locked On Heat on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, any places you get your podcast. Make sure you're using your smart speakers, whether it's your in-home smart speakers, your Alexas, your Apple Homes, whatever it is, or in your car, if you have voice automation in there, make sure you're saying, hey, uh, smart speaker, play podcast, Locked On Raptors, or play podcast, Locked On Heat, and you'll be able to play our podcasts uh, without having to ever touch a button. It's great, and uh, we implore you to do that. Uh, David, this was, uh, this was awesome, man. Hopefully we can do it again down the road. Absolutely. Maybe in the playoffs. Yeah, that, I mean, we didn't talk about that. Quickly, uh, <laughs> are, 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 is that a matchup you'd be interested in? I mean, it'd be fun. Like I, to I, watch. I still don't think yeah. that Miami has much of a chance there. I, look, I, I love Toronto's roster. I like a lot of their players. I mean, obviously, a game like today showed that they could be incredibly, incredibly fun. A lot of a lot of attention has been focused on on Milwaukee and their growth this year and the MVP candidacy of Giannis Antetokounmpo and and that's all earned and legitimate but at the same time you can't discount what Toronto's done and, and, uh, and this was a game without Kawhi Leonard I mean I know that they've had a pretty good record without Kawhi uh, but I mean once he comes back to their lineup if he plays consistently um, that would be I think incredibly fun although maybe their style of play changes with Kawhi in the starting lineup you'd be more uh, apt to answer that yeah it's it's been an ongoing thing for sure but still they're very good and talented and Kawhi kind of papers over a lot of stuff because he's very very good um, yeah we don't need to go on this any further but yeah the Heat Raptors thing I'm not super thrilled about just because I I find the Heat to be less compelling than like the Nets or the Pistons. I'm rooting for a Pistons first round series with the Raps because of the Dwayne Casey thing, and I think that'd be really mm. fun. And uh, a lot of sports hate would be engendered there. I, fi- I kind of feel like a Raptors Heat series would be a little bit um, just sort of it would kind of lack heat for lack of a better term. I just I feel like it wouldn't really have a lot there. But you know, you never know. I suppose Kelly Olynyk could pull a shoulder out of someone's arm socket anytime. So. <laughs> oh. We were just talking about this. Wes and I were just talking about this. How largely he's viewed as a dirty player, given him that one instance. Like it really, <laughs> it really hasn't been much other than that one moment against Kevin Love. What was it, three, four years ago? Yeah. I mean, it, it's just it's amazing how he, that he'll never get past that moment, and that he's viewed largely, even as a Canadian. I thought there'd be more love there for Kelly Olynyk. I love Kelly Olynyk, but I'm allowed to say that about him because I'm Canadian. So oh, that, that's, that's fair. Those okay. are the rules. <laughs> All right, uh, tangent over. We'll wrap this thing here. Again, listen to the Lockdown Podcast Network on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, please rate and review. It's always very, very helpful. David, we'll talk to you soon, man. Absolutely, Sean. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Lockdown Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.